Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everyone, to a 2022-2023 starting the season episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Yes, you heard me right. The Cavaliers this week will start the 2022-2023 regular season against the Toronto Raptors on Thursday night. The Scotiabank Center in Toronto, Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley. It's just an exciting time to uh, to start this thing up. So. Without further ado, we will bring in uh, Chris Fedor, our Cavaliers beat reporter, my par- my podcast partner. And Chris, we were both, we are both, well, I think you might currently be on your way back. I am currently back. Um, we were both at Cleveland Clinic Courts today. Uh, talked to Darius Garland, talked to Evan Mobley, talked to uh, J.B. Bickerstaff. And there are a lot of kind of bigger, bigger picture questions asked. And I think that, uh, you know, I want you to just hit on on a couple of the things that, you know, um, that you heard from them. And, uh, you know, maybe I can bounce off you a little bit. Sure. I mean, I think the main thing that stands out to me is that their mentality coming into this year, and I wrote about this change from what it was last year. Um, they aren't the underdogs anymore. They cannot be the underdogs anymore after trading for Donovan Mitchell and raising expectations to a different kind of level. But they can have that mentality, right? Um, they can do the little things that made them so good last year when they won 44 games. And I think J.B. Bickerstaff said it right, Hayden. They didn't accomplish anything last year. They didn't make the playoffs. They lost the two play-in games against Brooklyn and against Atlanta. So even though they are more talented, even though they do have Donovan Mitchell, even though there are higher expectations for them this year, and there should be anytime you make that kind of trade, the way that they carry themselves, the way that they think about themselves, and the attitude that they bring into every single game has to be the same underdog, gritty, competitive, overlooked team. Um, and, and I think it's a good thing that coming into this year, that's how they're approaching it. Yeah, I thought that, you know, JB said that they, they, they feel like they didn't do enough to be the hunted, but, you know, that still kind of, in a sense, makes them the hunted. Or it makes or excuse me, they didn't do enough to be the hunted, so that still makes them the hunter. Um, and that's the exact attitude they want to have. They don't want to come into this thing saying, well, yeah, we got the, you know, we're, we're, uh, we expect to be hunted. We expect to have people, you know, taking us seriously. No, you got to, yeah. you can earn that day in and day out. Um, I thought that JB was, you know, very thoughtful today about, especially about the expectations. You asked a question in regards to, 
you know, what makes what would make this a successful season? And I don't think any one of the players we talked to, be it JB or any one of the either JB or the two players we talked to, I don't think either of them said, you know, playoffs or whatever. I think they all said something along the lines of just, you know, hitting our standard every single day, you know, making right. sure that we are playing up to our standards every day and everything else will fall after that. And I thought that's exactly, you know, the kind of um, the kind of mindset that they need to have. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing that it comes down to. Um, the Cavs are going to put more expectations on themselves than anybody outside the organization can or will um, because there is a standard that they want to achieve. There are goals that they have. There are core values that they have to live up to on a daily basis. And the feeling is if we live up to that standard, if we meet those core values on a daily basis, then the wins are going to take care of itself. Because the, the wins are going to come based on the, the talent upgrades that they made. The wins are going to come based on the fact that we have the ability to be a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense. The wins are going to come based on, you know, how hard we play on a nightly basis. The wins are going to come based on the fact that you know, we have three all-stars in our starting lineup and a fourth who looks like he's going to be an all-star sooner rather than later. So I think that's the approach that you have to have, and, and it's good because if you go back to when LeBron came back in 2014 and the Cavs assembled their big three, he talked the whole time, Hayden, about we can't shortcut that. We've got to develop championship habits, and those things happen behind the scenes. And once we develop those championship habits, then as the season goes on, we're going to be better and better and better, and we're going to pile up wins. And we're going to move up the standings in the Eastern Conference. But if you start thinking, hey, we belong on the same level in this case for the Cavs with Boston and Milwaukee and, and Miami and Philadelphia and Brooklyn and some of those other teams, like, it doesn't, it doesn't happen that way, right? Um, if you start disrespecting the game – and not taking the attitude that it appears the Cavs have taken into training camp and into the regular season, then the success is not going to follow, at least not to the level that you want it to. So I think they're saying all the right things, and I think they have the right mentality coming into this year, and that's a positive. Now they have to go out on a nightly basis and live up to those standards that they're setting for themselves. In regards to and something else that JB said, I mean, JB said that basically that Evan Mobley, what it, you, I think it was you or somebody else asked, you know, what have you seen different from Evan, it was, Evan it Mobley? It was me. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and, it was me. And, yeah. and uh, you know, said basically, you know, what do you, what do you expect from Evan Mobley? I mean, what, what is different about Evan Mobley? And uh, yeah. his answer was very, very clear. He said he's angry. He's pissed off. He's a guy that's completely, um, you know, felt like he was slighted last year and you know we you know that's how we want him to play we want him to play angry we want him to have that fire and and I thought that it was really interesting what JB said in regards to you know Evan Mobley is not a guy that talks a lot he's not a guy that's gonna you know not a camera guy that you know is gonna be in uh, happy-go-lucky in front of the camera he's just gonna kind of do his day-to-day -day thing but when you yeah. when you get to know him his bat the fire that he has for basketball I mean that's that's really where the the where he differs himself. And uh, he said basically that he's going to show it this year. So if the Cavaliers can get a, a fired up um, Evan Mobley, I mean, that's even going to make them even better than we thought they were going to be even before.
I'm working on a massive feature on Evan Mobley. I've spent the last two months talking to people in the organization and outside the organization that know Evan best, that are closest to Evan, about the approach that he took this offseason. Um, I'm kind of pissed at myself that I asked the question to J.B. Bickerstaff in a public setting like that because now I think other people are going to run with pieces of story that I have had for the last two months, but it is what it is. Um, it's not just the rookie of the year snub. It is not. I've talked to Evan about the rookie of the year snub. I, I've asked Evan about what he thought, where he was, when that was announced, and what he makes of the voting and all that kind of stuff. So that's all in the big feature that I'm doing ahead of the opener against Toronto. But, but his motivation goes beyond that. He's a perfectionist. He wants to be great. He's always wanted to be great. Um, and he has the ability to be that. And there is something, and I'm not giving it away here on the podcast, but there is something um, that the people that work closest to Evan say to Evan following every single practice. And he uses it as motivation. Um, and he should use it as motivation. So that's going to be in the feature that's probably going to drop either tomorrow morning um, or Wednesday ahead of, of the opener. But, but you can tell Evan's stronger. Evan is more muscular, um, and Evan is, is being more aggressive. And I think part of it, obviously, is the rookie of the year thing. I think the other part of it is what I talked about, his desire to be great and the fact that he is a perfectionist. Um, but the other part of it is he's comfortable now, right? Like, this is his second year in the NBA. He has seen what NBA life is like. He has played against guys in the NBA, um, he has taken his lumps. He has learned a lot throughout the course of, of his rookie season that, that he took into the offseason to try and inform some of the drills that he did throughout the summer, some of the things that he worked on throughout the course of the summer. And I think as these players evolve, look, it happened with Darius Garland. It happened with Donovan Mitchell. It happened with Jared Allen. You get more comfortable. You get more sure of yourself. And that, in turn, is going to make you a more confident and a better player. It, I, I can't wait to read the piece, Chris. I think that, you know, uh, I can't wait to see, you know, exactly what what you're talking about and what exactly, you know, his story is. I mean, going into this offseason, I mean, obviously, he's a huge part of this Cavaliers future or the Cavaliers yep. uh, future. And uh, we talked last year about how he was the missing piece, uh, but it kind of feels like now he's one of the missing pieces. You know, we had Donovan Mitchell, and I think, you know, a couple of guys were asked today, you know, how Donovan is fitting in and how um, they're playing with him and how they're trying to get, get ingratiated with him. I, do you think it's a situation where this is going to be relatively easy for them to not, you know, maybe easy to run with, but relatively like it's not going to take some kind of crazy change for them to fit in with Donovan Mitchell just because of the way he is and the way that this team is around him? Yeah, I mean, I think you saw signs of it in the preseason, right? You, you saw signs of how it can work with him and Darius Garland together, despite the fact that there is only one basketball. They are both high-usage players. They do thrive the most when the ball is in their hands. Um, but I think the style that Donovan brings and the style that Darius brings, I think that's the kind of style that can complement one another. Because if you think about it, Donovan has never played with a player like Darius, not in the backcourt, not to this level. This is an all-star caliber player that is only getting better and better and better. 
it's different than Jordan Clarkson in Utah, right? It's different than Mike Conley in Utah. It's different than anybody else that Donovan played with in Utah. Darius is used to getting the full attention from the opposing defense, and Donovan is used to getting the full attention of the opposing defense. And that can't be the case anymore because they're going to share the court together. And some of that pressure that Donovan felt in Utah, some of that attention that he saw on a nightly basis, is going to go to Darius and vice versa. And I think if you think back to last year throughout the course of the second half of the season when the Cavs collapsed and they didn't reach the playoffs, um, they needed somebody who could pass, dribble, and shoot to take some of that offensive burden off of Darius. And nobody was capable of doing it. And they ran Darius into the ground. And defenses designed um, specific schemes to try and make it as tough on Darius as possible. It's very, very difficult to do that when you have Darius and Donovan on the court together. And that's going to be, an, uh, that's going to be um, a challenge for opposing teams throughout the course of the season. It's trying to navigate that. Um, and I think you saw throughout the course of the preseason the partnership of, of Darius and Donovan growing. I think you saw the space that Darius had. I think you saw the space that Donovan had. And I think the other thing is this. Having two guys like Darius and Donovan that, that have to be picked up and accounted for the minute that they cross half court because of their shooting reputation, that is going to make it easy for Jared Allen. That's going to make it easier for Evan Mobley. That's going to make it easier for Isaac Okoro and Kevin Love and whoever else, Karis LeVert, whoever else is on the floor at that time. Um, so I do think there are going to be growing pains. There are always going to be growing pains when you're talking about two high usage guys. But the style that Donovan brings to the table is the kind of style that I think fits really, really well with a player like Darius. And beyond all of that, Darius and Donovan have both shown that while they are probably at their best with the ball in their hands, they are mighty comfortable playing off the ball as well. Which is a huge thing, a huge thing, you know, for the, both of those guys to be effective. Um, was there anything else for, uh, that you took away from from our, you know, the media availability today? I mean, just before um, the start of the season. I mean, you know, Thursday is the day. Um, is there anything you took away that uh, that we haven't touched on yet? No, I don't think so. Not from today. Um, from what I heard, though, my sources tell me that J.B. Bickerstaff had conversations with every player today, and he laid out the specific role that that player is going to have, all the way down to Isaiah Mobley, starting, obviously, with Evan Mobley, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, those guys, and all the way down to Isaiah Mobley. And uh, I believe that J.B. Bickerstaff has made a decision on the starting small forward. Um. I think he knows who he wants to go with at that spot. I believe it's going to be Karis LeVert. Um, but I also know that it is not Wednesday yet. And it is not the opener against the Toronto Raptors. And J.B. Bickerstaff, from everything that I gather, wants to have more conversations, wants to think through things in a different kind of way. And I think there is a chance before Wednesday that he changes his mind. <laughs> and Isaac Okoro deserves a lot of credit 
for the way that he played throughout the course of training camp in the preseason, making this a more difficult decision on J.B. Bickerstaff. Because Karis LeVert was great. He was great in the preseason. He's been great in training camp. Everybody has singled him out. So it took somebody like Isaac Okoro really, really playing well and pushing Karis hard. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's, I think it's going to be Karis LeVert. But I think J.B. reserves the right and has earned the right to, to change his mind and continue to go through everything that is required of this particular decision. Harris today was uh, was working on the three-point line, and that's something he hasn't done super well in his career. Um, is that something that's really kind of elevated him, the, the fact that he's worked so hard on, on trying to, you know, bolster that outside shot? Is that something he's really improved in? Is that the reason, you know, maybe they're going to try to look more in that direction? I don't think that's the reason. I think if you're having a competition in the offseason and you say that that's what it is, Karis LeVert won it because he was the best performer that they had. And on top of that, I think you could see signs of how he fit well next to both Darius and Donovan. Karis played the connector role on offense really well. Um, He has the ability to create on his own. That's something that he'll have opportunities to do when he plays with Darius and Donovan. Um, But he's also somebody who has shown an ability to be successful playing off the ball. He has shot it better throughout the course of training camp and preseason from everybody that I have talked to. That's part of it. Um, But the Cavs look at Karras as a versatile, multi-dimensional player, offensively and defensively. And I think one of the things that helps him is how the Cavs view Karras as a defender. Because, look, if you're going to make an argument that it should be Isaac Okoro starting at the three, as opposed to Karis LeVert, Dean Wade, whoever else you want to throw out there. The, the backbone of that argument is Isaac Okoro defensively protects Darius and Donovan. Isaac defensively takes the matchups that you don't want to give to Darius and Donovan because of the responsibility that Darius and Donovan have on the offensive end of the floor. So that's the argument for Isaac. Um, but what he doesn't have is the same threatening offense as somebody like Karis LeVert. So if Karis gives the offense and shows that he can um, play alongside Darius and Donovan, and that can work together, that particular trio can work together, and the Cavs believe in his defense enough that he can just be something close to what Isaac can be on the defensive end of the floor, then it becomes a no-brainer, right? He's the same size as Isaac Okoro same length, same athleticism, and if he can channel his inner stopper, the role that he had in Brooklyn early in his career, like if the Cavs take a little bit off the plate of Karis LeVert offensively and they shift that more to the defensive end of the floor and he accepts that and he can do that, then he's a better option than anybody else on this roster, including Isaac Okoro, because the offense for Isaac Okoro while I did a huge feature on him rebuilding his jump shot completely, it is still a work in progress. And the way that the defense is going to play against the Cavs when Isaac Okoro is on the court versus when Karis LeVert is on the court is night and day different. We all know that. And that has a trickle-down effect on the other four players that whoever it is is going to be playing with. And I think part of the Cavs' goal 
is to try and make things as easy as possible on Darius Donovan, Jarrett, and Evan from the offensive standpoint and create as much space possible for Darius and Donovan. And at the end of the day, I think that's why it's going to be Lillard. So you're so if that's correct, and and it seems like everything you know is pointing in that direction. Um, your starting lineup for the Cavs would be Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Karis LeVert, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. And yep. for some reason, in like the opposite way, it reminds me of like the Pistons when they had Chauncey Billups, Tayshawn Prince, Rip Hamilton, Rasheed Wallace, and Ben Wallace. And it reminds me of that lineup, maybe not in that, you know, those guys were defensive, you know, masterminds. But, like, the the star, the all-star potential for all five of them is there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I that, agree with that. And, and, and that, the thing that surprised me, too, Hayden, throughout the preseason was just how comfortable Levert looked playing next to Darius and Donovan. Like, that was supposed to be an issue. If you had preconceived notions about what the Cavs were supposed to do with their starting lineup, a big part of it was there's only one basketball in that starting lineup. Karras is ball dominant. Donovan's ball dominant. Um, Darius is ball dominant. They all need their touches. How is that going to work? Wouldn't it make more sense for Karis LeVert to play in a lesser offensive role, kind of like the sixth man or something like that? Um, it looked good, and I know it was only preseason, and it's a small sample size, but it looked good. It looked rhythmic. It looked competent with all three of those guys out there on the court together, and that's the thing that surprised me, and I think that's the thing that surprised some of the decision makers with the Cavs as well. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, it, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see if it, it's, it's the right lineup and it works, and the good thing is, you know, if it doesn't work out for the first month or so, or however they long what they want to do they it, change they can, it, you know, they change it. Right. It's not yeah. impossible to do. Um, <laughs> Here's the other thing. It's a 48-minute basketball game, right? Let's say that Darius Garland plays 36 minutes a night. And let's say that Karis LeVert plays 30 minutes a night. And Donovan Mitchell is right around 36. It doesn't mean for all those 30 minutes that Karis LeVert is going to be on the court. He's going to be sharing the floor with Darius and Donovan. There's going to be a lot of staggering going on here. There's going to be a lot of mixing and matching. There's going to be rotations. This isn't hockey, right? These aren't hockey lineups where J.B. Vickerstaff runs his first five and then his second five and then his third five and stuff like that. There are going to be times where Karis is playing with those two. There's going to be times where Karis is playing with only Donovan. There's going to be times where Karis is playing with only Darius. There's going to be times when – Karras is playing with, with Donovan and, like, Kevin Love and stuff like that. Like, the one thing that, that we know that J.B. Bickerstaff is going to try and do this year, the only thing that we know that he's going to try and do this year for all 48 minutes, at one point, Darius or Donovan's going to be on the court that entire time. He is going to keep one of Darius and Donovan on the court at once. Um, beyond that, there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching and rotations and stuff like that. I was just about to get into the, um, I was just about to get into the, 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 uh, the, the depth that the Cavs have and the rotations that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you look at, okay, so if that's the starting lineup, Garland, Mitchell, Levert, uh, Mobley and Allen, right? Then you're looking at Neto, you're looking at Coro, you're looking at, 
Um, Kevin, you're looking at uh, Robin Lopez. You're looking at Ch Chetty. Um, probably somebody else that's not the top that I'm that I'm completely whiffing on right now. Um, the the depth that this Cavs has this Cavs team has. I, I'm still very impressed with it. I'm very impressed with what they're able to do. You know, like they will be able to mix and match well. They will be able to have good lineups, kind of regardless of you know who's in there. And I think that that's a huge important part yeah. of this team is the fact that I think that they do have depth and they do have an ability. They're going to be able to stagger guys and it's going to be able to work out for them. Well, the other thing that JB talked about today was that. They have seven guys that they feel are at the top of their rotation. Um, I believe those seven are what I believe is going to be the starting five. And then um, Isaac Okoro and Kevin Love. Yeah. Four of those seven are going to be on the court like a bunch, maybe yeah. even the whole game. Just trying to keep as many of those combinations of your best players out there together at the same time is something that the Cavs believe will help them. And it's something that they're going to fight for when it comes to their rotations. And then Jetty Osman mixes in there. Then Dean Wade mixes in there too. And you talked about Neto and Ricky Rubio when um, he comes back healthy at some point in the season. So that's something to keep an eye on as, as this season progresses is who do the Cavs view as their top seven? Because the hope is that four of the seven are going to be out there together for a big chunk of the game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and I think the seven you yeah. mentioned, that's the seven. I don't think there's, you know, I don't think they're going to be playing 12 guys a night. I mean, you're looking at nine, ten guys. Right? Now, nine or ten. Nine yeah. or ten, depending yeah. on the matchup. Right. So, I mean, that is that is what it is. It's about staggering and who's going to get more minutes one night. You know, it depends on matchups and all that. Um, yeah. Because, Chris, because this is the first, or because this is the starting week of the season, I want to do a little mini preview prediction kind of thing. And, okay. I, and you can be you can be a little you know you can be a little coy you don't have to say like exactly what like you know you can play kind of like oh like you know i'm I'm just i don't know about this i'll just say this you can just say that if you want but i do want to get okay. into it because i think it's uh i think it's a fun exercise and you know given uh given the the, the steps this team is team has taken i, I think we could start it and, okay. and it should be fun all right cavaliers if you had to predict right now Right now, what seed in the East? Where are they at at the end of the year? At the end of the at the end of the regular season? This is a fascinating conversation, and I wish I knew the numbers off the top of my head. But there is somebody who broke this down. When it comes to Vegas win loss totals, only one team I think in NBA history has had their win loss total increase by twenty from the previous year. And hit the over. The NBA win total, 
over under? Yes. The Cavs' win total in Vegas from what it was last year has increased by more than 20. And again, I think only one team in NBA history that has experienced that. It might have even been the Cavs, honestly, when LeBron came back. LeBron came back, right. Right, that probably makes sense. It might have been. Or maybe it was the Miami Heat or something like that when LeBron joined. But only one team in NBA history that has had that increase in a win total prediction has hit the over. So the numbers are not favorable for the Cavs. And there have been like five to seven or maybe like seven to nine, if I remember correctly. Um, where do they finish? I, to me, they are not the same tier as Boston and Milwaukee. They're not. Um, those two teams are on a different tier. So the Cavs are in that next tier with um, Miami, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, whatever you think of Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, so I think they finish. I have them fifth in the East. Six. Simply because okay. I have no idea what to do with the Brooklyn Nets. But I'll put them fifth for now. Fifth, not sixth. Fifth. 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 Okay. Okay, you got. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm trying to. I'm trying to also look up this line thing that you mentioned because I think that's yeah. fascinating. Um, okay, I think fifth is a very fair place, and I, I'd put them right around there. I'd say fourth or fifth myself. Um, I think that's a pretty good, um, pretty good indicator of where they'll be. With that said, how many wins are you expecting? You know, are you expecting this to be a 51 season? Um, can yeah. they get that done? I think they're right around 50, honestly. I, I think I did a podcast with Nate Duncan, the Dunk Don podcast, and I believe I said 50 for the Cavs, 50 and 32. Um, they won 44 games last year. Um, it would have been more than that if they weren't hit by just a massive amount of injuries at the worst possible time. And it wasn't just injuries, right? It was their top players, their most important players, missing extended stretches of the season. Um, there's no way to guarantee that that's not going to happen again for the Cavs. Of course, they could have injuries. But the amount of injuries that they had to the players that they had them, I, I think they're due for a little bit more injury luck. So I do think, Hayden, they're right around 50 wins. Um, I expect Darius to be better this year. I expect the Donovan Mitchell thing to be felt during the regular season. I expect a monster second season from Evan Mobley. So there's enough internal growth attached to the talent increase that they had this offseason by the moves that they made that I do think they can be right around 50 wins. The but there is something to consider here. There is one thing to consider here. The East is stacked, man. The East is really, really difficult. For so many years, we've been talking about it being the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference is so much better. The East is really, really good. And if, if you want to talk, so I think a majority of people see five locked-in playoff teams in the East. Milwaukee, Boston, um, Miami, Philadelphia, and Brooklyn, if they keep it together. So if you put the Cavs in the playoffs this year, you are keeping out one of Atlanta, Toronto, Chicago. Like, that's really, really hard. 
So right. that's what it's going to take for the Cavs to get one of those locked-in playoff spots and avoid the play-in tournament. Being better than one of Toronto, Atlanta, Chicago, and some other team that maybe comes out of nowhere. I don't know who it could be. It's tough. So, so it's going to make it to, tough to win 50. According to DraftKings, the Cavaliers over under win total odds. Uh, it's 47 and a half is the number. And above yeah. them, you have Milwaukee and Boston, one and two. You have the 76ers, yeah. three. You have the Nets, four. And you have the Miami Heat, five. Right. So they're right. they're predicting around the six, the, the Cavaliers be the sixth best team in the East with 47 and a half wins. Atlanta's below them at 45 and a half. Miami's above them at 48 and a half. So it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty even. It's pretty even um, in that regard. So I do, now I want to take a look at the, now I got to go find the 22, 2020. 2021-2022 Cavs win total um, odds, if I can find them. But, okay, so you're saying... Pretty sure it was, pretty sure it was 26 and a half. Uh, Cleveland, yes, 26 and a half. So that's, a, that's 21 games in one offseason. Right. right. The Cavaliers right. went up. Pretty remarkable. Right. And for, uh, let, let's see, I don't, I'm not going to spend all the time in the world going through the... Uh, going yeah, through the, the teams, but um, I'm sure that's far and away the biggest total uh, from last year. Okay, Chris, if I, so you got, so you got the fifth seed, you got about 50 wins, somewhere around there. I'll, I'll agree with yeah. you on that one. Um, I'll say even fourth seed um, and I'll go, I'll go 49 wins if we're going to be specific with it. Um, wh- who do you think has the best season out of the starting five? Which which player do you think is the one that is it Darius? Is it Donovan? Does Evan Mobley take the next step forward? Which of the five of the big five do you think is is going to have the best season uh, of this 2022-2023 season? And but I'm not just talking. I'm mean, just talking about numbers. You know, forget numbers. Yeah, we can talk about who's going to average yeah. more points, but just who is the MVP of the Cavs this season? Yeah, I think it's Darius. This offense still goes as Darius Garland goes. He's still the conductor of this offense. And Donovan Mitchell is going to be really, really important. And he's going to be very involved in what the Cavs do on the offensive end. But this is Darius Garland's team. It still is Darius Garland's team. So he's going to be the conductor of this offense. And to me, as, as talented as Donovan Mitchell is, as gaudy as the stats that he's going to be able to put up and all those different things. It's Darius. Because he's the conductor. Yeah. And because think- I think and because I think there's more room still for him to grow than there is for Donovan Mitchell. Right, right. Do you think that there's any ill effects of, of any of this in regards to Donovan's numbers, in regards to Darius's no. numbers? In regards to Evans' numbers, or do you think it just is going to help everybody out? Nope. Nope. I think it's going to help everybody out. I think I think having Donovan Mitchell and Darius together is going to make it easier on everybody, including those two guys. It makes a lot of sense. Um, all right. Let's see. We got the MVP. Uh, I, I think if we're going to go – all right, so which of the best defenders uh, – or which, which Cavalier is going to be the best defender this season? And that's actually a pretty Evan legit question. Because you got Mobley, you got Jared Allen, and you got Isaac Okoro. Evan Mobley. And that's based on your kind I think of Evan Mobley's. I think Evan Mobley's going to be in the running for defensive player of the year. Wow. Okay. 
Just based on the conversations, based on last year, based on what? Based on what he did last year, based on how he came into the season, based on the strength and the muscle that they added, based on how the Cavs plan to unleash him, and based on the fact that um, that the numbers that a lot of people, a lot of voters value when it comes to defensive player of the year, um, the deeper analytics are all very, very favorable to somebody like Evan. And the, the, the possession by possession impact that he has on what I think can be a top 10 defense in the NBA again this year, it was top five last year. I think it can be a top 10 defense again this year. Um, the, the possession by possession impact that he has and his switchability and his ability to guard every single position out on the court and some of the assignments that the Cavs are probably going to give him um, from an individual standpoint. I think that's going to allow him to stand out. All right. Um, do you think the Cavaliers have any like award candidates? You said play, defensive player of the year. So for Evan Mobley, anybody else yep. in like Kevin Love, another sixth man or uh, uh, Ricky Rubio yeah, sixth I mean, man I, or something like that or, or no. MVP candidate? No, Rubio's not going to play enough. MVP is way too difficult. They have too many guys that are going to share the wealth on that one. Um, I do think Kevin can certainly be in the running for six man of the year. Um, I, I don't think hmm, it's hard to use most improved with somebody like Evan Mobley, who is the rookie of the year runner up. I know it's not out of the realm of possibility, um, but it's hard for me to believe that. I think Tyrese Maxey, I think Anthony Edwards, I think, um, I think those those two guys specifically, Tyrese Halliburton in Indiana, those three come to mind specifically when it comes to most improved. So I think Evan's going to be in the running for defensive play of the year. I think Kevin Love is going to be in the mix for sixth man of the year if he can stay healthy again this season. Um, and I think J.B. Bickerstaff can be in the running for coach of the year. Wow. I like that. All right. Bold prediction. Bold prediction. Just give yeah. me something, anything. Because uh, I got something that's gonna that's that's gonna blow your socks off. <laughs> I mean, I it, is it not bold enough to say that Evan Mobley in his second year in the NBA is going to be in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation? You need me to go more bold than that. Yeah, that's I mean, that's pretty bold. That's 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 just that's just that's like. It's like a lukewarm vanilla latte. Like, that's not bold. No, that is pretty bold. All right. All right. Nothing I think else. so. I, like, if you said, like, he's definitely going to be a rookie of the, or a defensive player of the year candidate, then say, okay, that's bold. Okay. Evan Mobley will finish in the top three of defensive player of the year voting. There we go. All oh, right. I like that. There that? we go. That's bold. All right. I got one. Well, I, got I got a spicy one. Spicy, yeah. super spicy. Throw some some uh, some spicy chicken sandwich on it. Okay. Cavaliers have five all stars. No, no, it's not happening. Yep. They're not even getting four. No, no. Five all stars. It's happening. It's no. happening. It's gonna happen. It's not. It's They're not happen. even gonna get four. <laughs> no. This is bold. It's supposed to be bold. Yeah. All right. It's supposed to be outlandish. All right. it's supposed to be outlandish. 
It's not supposed to be realistic. It's supposed to be bold. Okay. All right. You All five of them. It's ha- uh-huh. it's it has happened before, and like I said, and not that's happening. why I bring it up. It has happened before. Nope. Nope. Too many good players. Too many good teams in the Eastern Conference. Not happening. Uh, I, but you you can have that bold prediction. That's fine. You can have. It. Thank you. It just just let me be bold. That's all I'm asking for. All right. So let me be bold. Right. I will say this. I will say this. I think it would be uh, all right. Can I? I'll amend. I'll amend. I'll amend. Can I amend? Okay. Cavaliers yeah, sure. will have four All Stars. No, they won't. But okay. Sure. Okay. That'll be my bold prediction. Four. Okay. Is that fair? I mean, that's not happening either. I'm just telling you. They might. Okay. They might have four worthy All Stars. They might have guys that you say, okay. I can make an argument for Evan Mobley. I can make an argument for Darius Donovan and Jarrett. Well, they're I think not getting for it. I think that's absolutely going to happen. I think that's absolutely going to happen. They're not getting for it. Okay. Right. But here's okay, but what if what if they don't get what if they get 3 and then three guys can't play? It was very very difficult to get them two last year. It was very difficult to get Jarrett Allen yeah into the All-Star game. He would be the odd man. He would be the he would be their odd man out, I think. No, actually, I mean, given 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 the given the front courts in the East, I mean, you know, front court okay. in the East has a lot of names, and right. so does the back court. Right. If you're talking about front court in the East, you're starting with Giannis, you're starting with Embiid. I know, right? I know. And then you're starting with KD, starting with those three, and now you're talking about Jason Tatum. I know. Now you're talking you just, about Jimmy Butler. You're just you're not letting my boldness and my shock value shine through. <laughs> it's really really upsetting me. It's not to the point where I'm going to sit here and write a, write an article about why I think the Cavaliers have five All Stars because yeah. my argument wouldn't be very good. It would be horrible actually. Yeah. But for the right. bold yeah. factor, I'll get I'll I'll say they get four somehow some way they get four All Stars. Um, okay, great. All right, so we've pretty much gone through a lot of uh, what we like. What, uh, I don't know, just your kind of general kind of last thoughts before this season starts. I mean, you know, about either being the hunted or, or having the underdog mentality. I mean, you know, fans are going to, there's going to be times in the season where things don't look great. There's going to be, you know, things in the yeah. se- times of the season where they're going to look like the best team in the NBA. Yeah, I don't have a ton more, honestly. But the only thing that I would say is this isn't the Golden State Warriors, okay? No. This isn't the Brooklyn Nets. This is in the Milwaukee Bucks, where like they're in luxury tax hell, and the roster that they have is aging and could implode. That if it doesn't happen this year for the Cavs, like if they don't live up to their own expectations, if they don't hit their own standard, that all of a sudden like crazy things have to be changed with this organization. Um, this is not a championship or bust situation, and nobody should look at it that way. The Cavs should strive for a championship. Sure. They should want to avoid the play-in tournament. But the way that their roster is constructed, the way that their salary cap is set up, and the way that so many of their most important players are 26 years old or under, this does not have to be championship or bust. There is a bigger window here. And there is... Um, a bigger picture in play down the road. And, and you know how I feel about this. Eventually, if the Cavs are going to compete for a championship, 
It has to be when Evan Mobley reaches a point where he is a top 10 player in the NBA, where he is the clear-cut best player on this roster, when, when he is clear-cut the most important player on this roster. And it's just hard for me to put him there right now. There are a lot of things that I expect of Evan. I think he's going to have a massive season. Um, but he's still only 21 years old. He still has a lot of growing to do. He still has a lot of maturing to do. He still has a lot of learning to do. So until the Cavs get to the point where Evan Mobley is like a top 10 player in the game, and he's an MVP candidate in the game, it's going to still, even with Donovan Mitchell, even with Darius Garland, even with Jared Allen, it's going to be difficult for them to have those kinds of expectations or those standards. Right. Like, obviously, internally, it's a different kind of way because they have to think championship. That's how the organization has to run. I'm talking about from our perspective and how we view them. I can't view them that way until Mobley gets to that point. Right. You need to, right. You got to live, shoot for, in, for, in more, uh, trying to think of the word, juvenile terms, you know, shoot for the stars, land among the moon, or shoot for the moon, land yeah. among the stars. Yeah. I mean, again, yeah. it makes sense. So, yeah, I, I, I'm excited. I, I'm excited for Thursday night. Um, the Cavalier, the problem is Wednesday in, in, night. Wednesday night. Sorry. I'm sorry. I said Thursday. You're right. It is Wednesday. Yeah. I get my um, days all mixed up too. Yeah. I don't know my day. I had like four days yesterday. So today's one day. Yeah. Um, the, the good news, the good news is the season starting. The other good news is that if the guardians win, the Cavaliers and guardians are going to be playing on the same day for the first week or so. Um, so it's kind of maybe again, we're, I think we're all, we all want the guardians to win. It's better for our business. Yeah. It's better for everything. So we, we are, we're definitely uh, here for that. Um, but opening night would be opening night in Cleveland would also be the same night as game four of the ALCS. So yeah. downtown would be a, another, it would be another um, day where downtown would be a, a lot. There'd be a lot happening. It'd be exciting. Kind of like uh, 2016 with the, um, with the game one of the uh, game one of the World Series and Cavs opening ring night, you know, I, it'd be cool. Yep, yep, for sure. All right. Well, Chris, um, I hope you have a great season. We will definitely be talking throughout. Um, my hope is to yep. be definitely around a lot more this year. Um, and I hope you have a great time in Toronto. Don't get stuck at customs. Don't get stuck at the border. <laughs> um, I know that can be kind of a nightmare. So be safe and. Yep. Uh, then it's off to Chicago for game two, right? And then back to yep, uh, right. back to Cleveland for game three. So yep. enjoy the uh, enjoy the last couple of days before the season. And uh, we can't wait to read those features. So Cleveland.com slash Cavs. Read the features on the Mobleys. Or on, it's just on Evan, right? I mean, Isaac's mixed in there too. but Or yeah. Isaiah's mixed in there too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's on Evan. Okay. So go read that story when it comes out either tomorrow, Tuesday, or Wednesday. And then uh, definitely go to Cleveland.com slash Cavs right now. Chris has a feature up on Isaac Okoro uh, on how he kind of changed his shot and everything. So um, can't wait to see some of these features. Can't wait to see the season previews. And uh, it is go time, my friend. It is go time for the 2022-2023 season uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. So it is exciting. I'm excited. I'm sure our listeners will be excited. And I can't wait to get it going. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to it. All right. 
Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Appreciate you. Definitely. I mean, I say this every time that I sign off, but it's the truth. What better time to get Chris's subtext? Three ninety nine a month, fourteen day free trial. All you got to do is go to cleveland.com slash Cavs. Click the blue blue banner at the top of the page, and you will get insight analysis news sent straight to your phone before anywhere else. Again, three ninety nine a month, fourteen day free trial. This is the best time to do it. The, the season's starting. There's going to be stuff all year long. So sign up today. I promise it'll be worth your while. Chris, enjoy the time of the fam. Give Ellie dog for me, and we will uh, talk soon, my friend. Sounds good, brother. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Take care.